welcome to a really good podcast uh and my name is brandon i am uh i stream under the handle accessible gamer and i'm here with uh james hello and we've also got uh wheelchair gamer here hello as well as the rickles howdy y'all and where 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 is our fourth or I fifth just... rather we have a fifth did we have a fifth. What? I thought you had someone with you uh, last time, like physically. Well, no, because me and me and Rickles are on the same same end. So it's the wheelchair gamer and Rickles are on one through uh, one voice. Yeah, we're in the same room. Yeah, so you're hearing us both over the same. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. See, I get confused because like <laughs> yeah, you're still confused because I explained that last time. I know. <laughs> so you're really confused. Like, man, we had a fifth person last time. I didn't even know. Where it. the? F- I felt like a dick not even talking to him and bringing him up. Where is that guy? Where is he? He's he's just a big jerk for not for not even participating last time. Yeah, what's wrong with him? He just likes like, to sit in the background. No, he never talks. Bitch. He never does anything. Contributes nothing to this podcast. God damn we'll it. Call, well, we'll, three of us are already sitting, so... <laughs> Mr. Unknown Anonymous and Anonymous Unknown. He's a freeloading bastard. Gotta get him. All right. Well, sweet. Well, good to <laughs> good to be on this uh, our second episode. Woohoo! Hey. How have you guys been? How have you been, buddy? Wait. <laughs> Wait. Okay, am I answering? I thought I asked. Well, I, okay, well, I, I've been doing all right. I mean, I've just been doing a lot of streaming, you know? I mean, like always. Change my schedule a bit, but you know, beyond that, just you know, having a fun time with the grind. Me myself, I've been pretty good, just you know, doing doing the grind. I guess I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> trying to stay busy, being me. Mick, uh, that's about it. I I've got really nothing interesting to really say, other than that. You know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about uh, you, yeah. fellas? <clears throat> I've been sort of busy prepping for this game jam thing that i've been doing tell us about that yeah it's a great great segue there james yeah yeah so anyway um i spent the past few weeks trying to you know just really sort of focusing on the promotion of audio game jam 3 it's the third iteration of a game jam that i organize in support of the royal national institute of blind people who are a uk-based sight loss charity and the sort of aim the aim of the jam is to raise money for them, but also to raise the issues of it's to raise the how can I say how that have I written this on the website? Awareness? <laughs> it's to, yeah, to raise awareness of this kind of issues that people with sight loss face when trying to play video games. So like most video games aren't necessarily accessible or at least aren't designed to be accessible to blind people. So occasionally you'll get something like Diablo three, which is playable with some work. But also, you know, it would be great if developers were, you know, could take some simple steps to make their games where possible accessible to blind players. Because in a lot of cases, maybe not a lot of cases, but there are, you know, games out there where the developers have found that their games are accessible kind of accidentally. But also, can you give us an an example of one? uh, Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Goodness, I hope this is the right one. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Um, King (laughs) of Dragon Pass. The it's like it's almost like a text adventure, but there's a lot of sort of decision making and things like that. I've okay. not played it myself, but it's it seems from what I've gathered, you're sort of the head of like maybe like a Viking clan or something similar. 
and you have to sort of make decisions to sort of ensure that your clan sort of survives and things. It's something I've been looking into and playing myself, but I've just not managed to sort of squeeze it in to my to my sort of gaming sort of schedule because it's just too, my list is just too long of stuff that I'm trying to work my way through. Right. And what's the name of what's the name of the website for people that don't know it? Yeah, so the website you can where you can find links to all the previous audio game jams as well as to the current one is www.audiogamejam.org and from there you'll find links to the the main audio game jam 3 page which is hosted by the indie game website game Jolt. so yeah it's been going for a couple of years and as a fundraising exercise it's not been terribly successful i one day hope that we reach three figures in terms of the number of money raised. We're currently sitting at £71, which is like maybe $100. And that's not great for three three events at all. Well, in what terms has it been successful? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing. Like, fairly early on, I sort of realised that I had to kind of re-evaluate what my um, measure of success were it was. So mm-hmm. like, when the first event ran, I didn't really expect anybody to to jump on it. I didn't expect there to be 16 games um, submitted for it. And, you know, to be fair, not all of them were accessible to blind players. Some of the blame should be on me for that because maybe I didn't, I don't think I communicated especially clearly that the game had to be accessible, you know, and playable start to finish without sight. So a lot of the games are, you know, based or focused very much on playing the game using audio alone. But there's basic accessibility issues that would stop a blind person from playing it, such as you know have the requiring the player to click on screen elements with mm-hmm. the mouse, or just making entirely inaccessible menus where without a menu guide to follow, you would you know you wouldn't know where you were where you were in the menu structure or whether or not you could start the game, what you would do to start the game, and so on. The second event, those problems were largely ironed out. I think most, if not all, of the games were accessible to blind players, so I was that was great. And then this year, I'm hoping for them all to be accessible to blind players. And for those people that don't know, there was an interview that you had on a website that mm-hmm. I read about um, where they can read more about this. And I was kind of interested. To, me and Bill were reading it earlier today. I was interested to learn that you got your master's in uh, development. In game development. Yeah, yeah I went to um, the University of Aberdeen in Dundee. I did my master's in professional practice and games development up there. Oh, wow. Amazing. Completed it back in 2012. Um, so I specialized in uh, character rigging, being like a sort of technical animator sort of role, which I really enjoyed. But after finishing it, I sort of thought, well, mm, I don't know if I really want to go into the AAA games industry spending, you know, working five days a week, nine to five, if I'm lucky, nine to five, God crunch. Right. You know, um, just slapping... Uh, skeletons into characters and doing the skin weights on them and things like that. I mean, I, I enjoy it on the course, but I really wanted to have a bit more creative control in my projects going forward. Right. Or, or maybe that was just an excuse because my, <laughs> you know, my confidence wasn't especially high in terms of like applying for jobs. The only jobs that I really applied for were very local, and thankfully Scotland has quite a big game development scene. So there were a few, and I did get a few things. Well, I've at least got I've got credit on at least one iPhone game, which is nice. It's the iPhone game you have credit on. Uh, it's a game called High Stakes, and Stakes is spelled like st- Stakes the Meat. 
and where you control a little uh, green monster man and he runs from the top of the screen towards the camera sort of like um like a reverse crash bandicoot and wow. you've got to sort of move him out of the way of the buildings that he's running towards while trying to grab all the meat and sausages funny. and steaks yeah it's it was it was nice to work on it was a game that was developed by a studio called the future fossil studios and that was that studio was basically just like a whole bunch of people that I went to uni with. I went to the, you know, it was really good to work with people that I studied with again. It was a project that I really was quite happy to be a part of. Hmm. So yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's but, nice. It's cool to know that like you have that. Uh, I mean, I guess we are an accessible, uh, gaming podcast, but it's cool yeah. to cool to know that you have like that background too in game development. Yeah, I mean, I'm by no means an expert. I don't have I've got only a tiny drop of actual like workplace commercial experience type of thing. But at least the the academic background. Is... And you could provide a little bit of insight into the just like generally how these game how games are made, and like what people think about like like just a regular gamer what they think. Uh, or how they think games are made is usually much, much di- different from the reality. And hopefully you'll be able to correct any uh, misconceptions I or anyone else on this podcast might have uh, regarding that. Perhaps. I mean, there's all sorts of little things that, at least when we were developing our games during the course, um, there's all sorts of things that you want to put in the game. And it seems like there's no re- there's no good reason why you shouldn't be able to get the thing that you want in the game that's like maybe you're from your part of the game. So, for example, like I was working on the technical and the sort of character rigging and technical animation and things like that, and we had a character who had a cape and another character who was wearing a kilt because I'm Scottish, so the main character is going to have a kilt on. And <laughs> look, I had it mm-hmm. all planned out. We're gonna we're using Unreal Engine three. We're gonna have a physics nice. model for the characters that will you know collide with the kilt, and that will keep the kilt from slipping through the legs, and it'll all be great. And it looked like right. it would just be one line of code that would make it make it work, but no, that that little bit that next step was never taken, and the game was the game was submitted with the kilt clipping through the legs and it burns me to this day (laughs) (laughs) because we we showed the game at the dare to be digital um indie fest in dundee which is is one of the it's probably the biggest sort of game show in scotland it's a fairly sort of major uh, game show in the uk that drives me nuts when games have like clipping issue and yeah and you see just like game elements just like bursting through people or out of walls or anything like uh, that yeah yeah i've noticed with like some triple a titles like i got assassin's creed odyssey it's a great game but when you stream it like it is a little rough like it is a little like you have to like lower the uh, i had to lower the graphics down to at least medium before it stopped clipping and then like um or you get that v-sync issue with the screen tearing that's so annoying when that happens where you have to enable it. <laughs> a lot of these issues is like the, the, we know that they're there. The developers will know that they're there. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to. The deadline's coming up. You just need to ship it or submit it. <laughs> yeah. Day one patch. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do the day one patch fix. There's this game I absolutely love to play, even though it's got so many of so many of these 
uh, collision issues. Um, it's called Seven Days to Die, and it's yeah, a zombie survival it. game. And yeah, it, even like it's been in alpha for like se- they call it like seven years in alpha, uh, because it literally has been <laughs> in alpha development since like. Uh, it came out around the same time as like Ark and Rust and titles like that, but it's yeah, yeah, it's still in alpha development after all this time. That's weird. It it's frustrating for a lot of people, but I guess there's like only a few people working on it, so I guess it kind of makes sense that they haven't really fixed clipping and other issues like that. But at least the zombies don't run around in circles anymore. Yeah, yeah, but um. So I do know that you um so what is it what is it 2 weeks until you're going to be on a panel for uh, TwitchCon I was thinking we could maybe talk about that a little bit. Oh goodness, yes. Um yeah, we're going to be uh and when I say we it's going to be <laughs> my uh a few streamers myself um and uh coming from New Zealand is a guy who goes by the name No Hands NZ. Oh my God! No hands. Yep, he's gonna be there. That guy is great. He's yeah, he's he's a really cool guy, and uh, this will be his first uh, TwitchCon. A few Sweet. of us, like myself, have done this before. Um, I did this two years ago. Uh, Does it, this guy have hands, or is this, that just a clever name? I think it's a clever name. I'm not sure if he's a uh, spinal cord injury like myself, or if he. Um, has like a neurological illness or something to that effect. Um, I yeah, I honestly am not entirely sure. Um, we've got Good Times with Scar, who's a Minecast streamer and YouTube player, so he's got a pretty large following because I think a lot of people really like Minecraft. Mm, yeah. Um, Mackenzie's, if you've heard of her, she is a uh, Hearthstone streamer with uh, epilepsy. And um, she does a lot of streaming for epilepsy awareness and with the National Epilepsy Foundation. Uh, Let's see. And then finally, uh, Zero the Cook, who is deaf and represents the uh, deaf and hard of hearing community. And um, Snugs Meow has... Uh, I believe I'm trying to remember what she said from her uh, introduction. She's also new, uh, but she is going to be. I think she has endometriosis, if I'm not mistaken, which is, is it's a uh, really, really, really rough uh, disease that women occasionally get. It's not pleasant in any conceivable way. But like, what are the symptoms of it? Like, because I've I've never heard of that before ever. No, me neither. Yeah, it's um, it. I don't know like all of the specifics as to what the uh, uh, symptoms are. I just know it involves a great deal of physical pain, in pain cramps. Um, I believe it's like to the point where it's on it. You know, be unable to get out of bed some days. Oh dear. Well, that sounds awful. Yeah. Uh, she is a uh, cosplayer actually, so oh, really? she does a lot of creative and IRL type streams. Oh, cool. What's her name again? Uh, Snugs Meow. S N U G Z M E O W. Okay, interesting. All right. And all these people are gonna be joining you at TwitchCon. 
Yep, the panel is called uh, Rolling Over Your Obstacles, Streaming with Disabilities. Nice. And, um, yeah, I, well, we <laughs> tried to get life in hard mode. Where's, that's where did that mystery wife. voice come from? That mystery <laughs> voice belongs to my wife, uh, my oh. wife Robin. Um, and well, you know, without her, I wouldn't be able to. Actually, we have a guest on the show. I so, know. Yeah, we found that the mysterious we, fifth person. There's that the we fifth are... person. Yeah, I was oh, gonna say. Oh, well, nice to meet you, Robin. Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> and also, that would be a great name for the podcast if we hadn't already. <laughs> mystery <laughs> fifth uh, person. No, no, like life in hard mode. It's oh, I yeah. I like it. it. I always liked that idea. Um, yeah, yeah. I tried. I, that's what yeah. I submitted it under, and a few other of uh, the panelists did as well. But um, I think it ended up getting on the schedule as uh, um, rolling over your obstacles, just because that's what it was yeah. in years past. And I think we're also. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think we're also going to be joined by uh, Lady O'Pair. Unless she's going to uh, the GA conference in Paris, there's a lot of accessibility stuff happening in the next like two weeks. Yeah. So how did you, how did you go about getting on? Like, uh, happened to be asked to be on the panel, or was it something that you submitted to Twitch um, to be able to do? Or I submitted. Yeah, I submitted it to Twitch uh, two years ago. Um, it was there. It, this was in 2016, and it was their second TwitchCon, and they were holding it uh, in, <laughs> in San Christ. Jose. Jeez, man. <laughs> I nachos. think I can smell it. Those nachos. Uh, epic. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yep, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Yeah, the, the, um, the I segue. submitted a proposal for um, a panel like this, and... They, what I guess what Twitch does is when a bunch of people uh, submit an idea for the same topic, they just put them all together into a panel and let them have um, an hour. So uh, that's what we did. It was, it was like at 10 in the morning, so I had to get up at like 5. So you've done one of these before? Yes, I have. Uh, some people okay. have not. And yeah, I'm trying to so get there. So there's going to be a few new people. Um, to replace some of the people who couldn't make it this year. And um, I wasn't able to do it last year just because of um, not being able to afford the travel and all of that. And mm. if you've ever traveled with a wheelchair, it's not easy. Oh, it fucking sucks. I, I haven't done that yet. I have not experienced the fun that th therein lies with traveling. Oh, with yeah. There's it, a, you'll get to learn the joy of a deck chair. Yep. Uh, it's like half. It's like imagine if they cut off like half of your wheelchair, oh, so it's God. like twelve inches wide, and then like they've got a straight jacket that like attaches to it as well, and they like wrap you in it so you can like just barely move, and then they wheel you over to your next to your seat, and then you transfer over. However, you typically transfer over. Yeah, I've flown to Texas uh, a couple times, and yeah, those, those chairs are not fun. And going through the TSA in a wheelchair is oh, super gosh. annoying, too. Yep. Like, I remember I had this one guy when I went through the TSA, and he had, like, the high, most highest-pitched voice, and he's like, can you stand up for me so I can search for bombs? I was like, I, I, I can't stand, dude. And he's like, oh, 
Well, I'm gonna pat you with the back of my hand so you know it's not sexual, and I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> feel you up here now and let you see if oh, we find geez. any bombs. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sir, you can do what you gotta do. Oh um, boy, the fun of disability, Ugh. right? Mm-hmm. And you know, so I'm yeah. Um, oh, by the way, uh, no hands. Actually, what his. Uh, well, his situation is that he's got um, what's called, oh gosh, epidermolysis bullosa, which means that um, his skin like comes off easy, Whoa. like Ooh. like glad wrap if he's not careful. Ew. Wow. This is so, awful. Yeah. Like, like you could just like his skin could just like fall off at any moment type thing. Um, it, it sounds more yeah. like you'd need to give it a little bit of a tug, but maybe just <laughs> not, maybe not the way a little bit more easily than it's supposed to. Yeah, like oh. yeah, that sounds terrible. So like, oh, don't don't shake my hand too hard; my skin might come off with it. So his fingers are kind of like mittened into his palms a little bit, into fists, and oh. uh, yeah, he's but he's a uh, first-person shooter battle royale type streamer so um if you're into that sort of thing and i think a few of us are at least um, yeah i suck at them <laughs> yeah you ever watched one of my streams oh my gosh i'm te- i'm terrible i the one the one time i got a my one kill in um pubg i think is actually on my intro video the one time i got a kill in that whole game <laughs> the one time in the one time so you oh. guys sound more like second person shooters exactly Ew. oh <laughs> ouch shots fired <sighs> yeah i've been playing that blackout that uh new black ops thing it's pretty fun oh yeah yeah that I sounds like it. fun yeah it's a fun time um but yeah, yeah. So that was, i thought so i saw you streaming that this morning it looks all right it looks a lot better than i thought it would Oh wait, yeah. I don't know. Uh, oh yeah, you must have saw me when I was. Uh, yeah, I don't know oh, when I, I was playing it. I say this morning, but for me it was mm, actually maybe it was just uh. No, the Maybe it was the YouTube. Yeah. Um, thing, but yes, yeah, I saw that um earlier today, and obviously if it was this morning for me, it might have been like quite late for you or something. <laughs> so. No, that's right. That time difference. Yeah. But I, uh, I'm not, I'm not a um, battle royale person myself. I tried playing Fortnite, but after like 15 games, I got maybe one kill, and then decided, nope, I've got my kill. That's me. I'll leave Ooh, it. No Fortnite, more. huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I've got a PS4, and my PC is too crap to run PUBG or anything like that. So it's, ah. it's as it's as good as I can do. So what's with that whole pub? Like, as someone who hasn't played either of those, what's the whole battle thing between PUBG and Fortnite? Everyone's always like, you know, fuck Fortnite, fuck PUBG. Or... It's like, they're, they're really exactly the same thing, except for the fact that uh, Fortnite involves building as well as running around and shooting, and PUBG is a bit more military style. So, so it's just literally like loyalist people just being like, my yep. shit's better than yours because I want to say that. Exactly. Just like uh, Warframe and Destiny. Uh, yeah. I think as well, though, there's a little bit of like PUBG came out and was very successful. Mm-hmm. And then Fortnite came out and was like... Wildly much, successful. Was like wildly successful. 
and it's probably a lot of people's first taste of that genre even though PUBG was their first although there were Battle Royale type games before PUBG yeah but yeah there's maybe some PUBG people and certainly the company itself were a little bit salty that Fortnite had come over and just basically blown up in the way it did I feel so bad for the guys who made H1Z1 yeah yeah what's H1Z1 exactly exactly (laughs) all right sweet yeah, well, it, it was like eight, a it was a yeah. zombie Minecraft type game that had a battle royale uh, a mod comp- component to it, and then they just like scrapped the whole survival side to it, and then just kept it as um like two separate games. So it was like H one Z one just survive, and then H one Z one battle royale where it was the same map but they would drop you in and you'd go after each other and um hmm. and nearly exactly this it almost looks exactly like PUBG. right right yeah because there was h1z1 from what i remember correctly was actually a mod of day z which day z is a mod um is a mod of arma <laughs> so it's like this whole confusing mess at least from what I remember, I could be wrong about that. Part, yeah, but I, I know. I don't think it was a um a Daisy. I don't think uh it was a Daisy mod. No, no, actually, no. I'm thinking of just yeah, Arma to Daisy. Yeah, and then there was, yeah, because Daisy was popular around the same time. Like I'm just thinking of games that were pop that got popular like around the same time that were kind of under the same survival sort of thing going on. And that was yeah. one of them. And then H1Z1 and then the Battle Royale. And then because I think like uh, the streamer Ninja started on, well, he started on Halo back in the day, but the, the first game that he really got big on, I think was H1Z1. Then of course, now he's on the Fortnite train. So, yeah, I like this. It totally sounds like you guys are just making up names right now. Cause I, I know none of this, right? You guys could be saying like, yeah, we have like banana Ford over here. That would really be successful as a game and stuff. I'm like, Oh, interesting. Tell me more. Yeah. We just know. Yeah. I'm just... I, I know the name Ninja. That's all. That's about it. I've heard, I've heard the name. I know he is a streamer. Yeah. I mean, I don't renown. know everything about him, but you know, but I am looking forward to, uh, I'm re- really looking forward to this panel, and uh, I'm going to bring in my Xbox adaptive controller and maybe my quad stick. I'm not sure. But What's the Is the quad stick the, the mouth joystick? Yeah. How do you like that? I don't use it because <laughs> I have a head tracker. Um, so, so using, and it also kind of uh, depletes a lot of power, and I don't have a whole lot to spare. So I'll probably be using um, the adaptive controller. And more when you often. say power, it means like you know, like the con- the battery for the controller. Uh, I mean like the uh, well the quad stick kind of runs its own computer. So uh, you have to plug it in using like um, USB three cable in order to supply power to it, but it draws a lot. So Oh, it, really? If you have that and like a million other things, like I've got a nine panel uh, USB hub on my computer. So all of these devices are either drawing power from my like computer's power supply or CPU or RAM right. or anything. It, yeah, sometimes. 
Got you. Because so, I'm like, yeah. I, I've seen the thing, but I'm totally ignorant of how it works. And then, of course, I'm sure people listening are probably wondering what exactly it is, too. So, Oh, I can well, definitely. Yeah, I, have, I have no idea. Yeah. I could definitely explain it. It's a, um, okay, so if you've never used a sip and puff, what that is is a, um, it's a tube that you sip or puff air into. You sip and puff air into it, and it will manipulate a pressure switch. So um, it's like a two-way switch off and on, and you can set that off to be whatever and then on to be whatever. This is a bit more elaborate because it's, instead of having like one tube, it's got three apertures next to each other. So like left, right, and middle. And it's on the end of a four-way joystick. So you can move the, um, you can actually like move the uh, set of apertures like that you would sip and puff into. You can actually move that whole thing up, down, left, and right. And all of this can be, um, you can create custom configuration sheets for your, for whatever game you like to play. And it's all done through Google Docs. So it's really huh. easy to not only create your own custom game uh, profile, but it's really easy to share them as well. And if I haven't had a chance to talk to Rocky No Hands, but he's another no-handed gamer, and he uses the quad stick a great deal to the point where people ask for his... Uh, PUBG profile like on the forums <laughs> but he has uh, I, I'm not sure how he does it but he has one of the buttons um, change his configuration sheet like on the fly so he can like really quickly change what like up and or like like right sip does depending so- on his situation if I can like try and simplify, like if I'm understanding what you're saying, it's like he can almost like remap his controller like instantly to do to better utilize it in a sense. Yep. Is that like cool? Yeah, that's, that's that's pretty. That sounds pretty much like it. Yeah, we should have him on the show sometime. I'll... Yeah, that's that's super interesting because yeah, like I've seen that and I've been and like I've mentioned like last episode, I'm trying to get back into gaming. I've I've been recommended it, but I've never really seen it in action and stuff and. I've like seen pictures of it, but uh, it can it could do a great deal. Yeah, I mean, definitely sounds like it's pretty cool. And uh, I've <laughs> I've used sip and puff before because uh, I actually had to use a sip and puff wheelchair one pretty early on in my injury. Luckily, I don't have to use it anymore. But so that part makes a lot of sense to me. Hopefully, it makes sense to people listening too. But right, yeah, it's it's um it could do a lot, and um I know that people use devices like the Cronus Max, which allow it to run through, um, I think you can run it through a laptop or something and make it be a console controller as well. I'm not sure exactly Hmm. how that works, but I know people uh, do it uh, because they talk about playing like PlayStation and Xbox games with, with their quad stick. Gotcha. And how do you use the head tracking to replace that for yourself? Well, what I do is I've got, um, I've got a, it came with a set of these, uh, stickers. A lot of people will attach them to like, uh, um, 
glasses or something like that, but I don't wear glasses. So I wear like, I usually wear a hat, like a wool hat over my head. So I just clip one of my wife's barrettes to my hat and it's got one of those stickers on it that reflects uh, the ambient light and can it be gives it a frame of reference to look for. Exactly. It gives it, it gives the infrared sensor a dot and as that dot moves when I move my head, it translate that in, it translates that into cursor motion. Which, so that would be like your crosshairs while playing like a FPS or something. Exactly. And cool. yeah, and if I'm playing a first person game, especially uh, moving my head moves my field of vision, which gives me an extra little dose of immersion. So that's nice. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, I saw yeah. this device online that uh, it's called Tilted or something, and it's this device that you can hook on to any headset, and for like ducking, like if you if you duck your head down, like you'll duck like in a game like PUBG, or like for the lean, like if you if you lean your head to one side, you know how you can, uh, you like on a scope you can do like an angled diagonal like lean, um, like from like a tree or something. So you get like you can get like a diagonal view of the opponent. Um, you can do that with this uh, with this device. It's being crowdfunded, and it just looked like a really interesting sort of uh, idea that they had, you know, for um, and kind of has a. I don't know if they were going for accessibility, but I could see where it could be used for people for that purpose. It's amazing the equipment you can think of that. Yeah. Like, and also, it's amazing the equipment that you don't think of until you're in the world, and you're like, oh wow. That's a smart idea. Yeah. Mm. Why didn't I come up with that? <laughs> yeah. I know, it, like, I don't know. You wouldn't, uh, we would ne- never have thought, like, you know, head tracking movement, uh, applying it to games if, like, you weren't in the disability community, you know? Or maybe you would. Who knows? It's <laughs> just me. Yeah. Look, I've only ever seen head tracking used for, like, outside of disability, used for things like racing games and st- stuff like that. That's where I first encountered it. But even then, it's not really something I'd ever. So I used myself just to see videos of people trying it online. Yeah, like that, does the does that head tracking and like that uh, mouth stick does does that cost a lot? Oh gosh, you have no idea. Um, <laughs> it's between that and uh, between the natural point and the sip and puff, um, probably went about a grand. Hmm. Man, the downside of the gaming disability gaming community is like, if you want to get into it, man, it costs a cost a penny. Yeah, I got it from yeah. a company called um, Natural Point, or I'm sorry, um, that's uh, the actual distributor. Uh, I got the product itself from a company called uh, Broadened Horizons, which is based out of Minnesota, and they um sell the sip and puff that works directly with the natural point so it's like two products that you have to buy in conjunction with each other and yeah they kind of assume that everybody has like some kind of ridiculous grant behind them right yeah it's it's the same for i think that um accessible technology is expensive you know, across all sort of disabilities. Mm-hmm. I think probably just because the market is so small, or not so small, but is small enough so that they maybe they either they have to charge that much money for it, or 
I don't know why. But yeah, it's that's fairly cons that seems sort of consistent with the prices that you'd have to pay for sort of tech for like blind people. Certainly things like um like the screen readers like JAWS or Zoom Text for Windows. The cost of them is like four figure sums easy. Now yeah. what now again someone who's completely ignorant of like blind um adaptability, what is the screen reader and uh what was the other one you said? Uh the screen readers I mentioned there, one of them is JAWS and that basically allows someone with no sight to use a Windows PC. So uh, how, how does it work? Now, yeah, it's um I'm not a JAWS user myself and I I've never really used it before. But as far as I'm aware it's just it lets you sort of like tab through all the different elements that are on the screen and work work that way. Um so for example, um one of the people that uh used to that worked at the place where I used to volunteer, the RNIB's office in Glasgow. The DJ there of the station is blind. The DJ that does the technology sort of podcasts and all that, and he's a JAWS user. And he does all the sort of radio, he does all the recording and things like that without being able to, you know, see any of the screen at all. And he wow. does it using software like JAWS. But the one that I use for the most part, um, at work at least, is called Zoom Text. And that's assumes that you have some site and it will just... It changes a lot of the Windows UI elements or adds stuff to it, so it has a much more, uh, a much higher quality zoom than the Windows magnifier. Because the Windows magnifier, it zooms in, but it's really blurry and kind of it's a bit crappy compared to like the one on Zoom Text, which makes everything very crisp and clear. But it also does things like it will read any on-screen text to you, or it will make your um, changes your cursor color and will show you where it is and highlights the focus. Like any text fields that you're sort of focused on, or changes the cursor, the sort of blinking cursor size, and things like that. It does a lot of little visual tweaks to Windows to make it easier for a blind person to use. So that's quite useful. But again, all these, all this software, you're yeah. talking like a thousand, two thousand pounds. It's it's crazy, oh crazy goodness. expensive. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's that. That's something like I've heard of screen readers, but I've never really like gotten a chance to ask anyone about them. Who, actually uses them uh but that's pretty like how, how do you apply that to that that mechanic to like gaming though well yeah you mm, i don't know for them actually that's that's something that uh that's something that i would like to get somebody on to talk about so i know that um i don't know if you've seen the if you've heard of the streamer brandon cole he's no i have he's a yeah so he's like a big blind streamer mm -hmm. um hmm he plays he plays Diablo three and I think he uses as far as I understand it, right, he uses the an open source screen reader called NVDA. And I don't know what that stands for, but it's it's basically a JAWS equivalent. Which, you know, it's very, very similar to it in the way that, you know, you can get like open source word processors that basically copy word. And <clears throat> I believe these outputting the PlayStation sort of visuals run it through the screen reader which is identifying text fields and things like that so it allows them to you know sort of identify what's in his inventory and what equipment he's using and things like that in a way that he wouldn't be able to with just the in-game ui on its own now that's just how i assume that it works and ideally it'd be good to get someone like him on that actually has that all set up and is playing games like that without sight to actually explain it to me <laughs> yeah that'd, that'd be super interesting because it's like yeah 
oh, it's a whole another world that you know <laughs> I know nothing of. But mm. that's are there any other like kind of a uh, what? Let's see, blind instruments I guess you would use for gaming or accessibility other than screen readers or uh, get Jaws or the other ones. I, I mean, yeah. I'm saying saying screen readers for lack of a better word. Which is, Kind of no, that's that's, that's pretty much the. I think that's pretty much the catch-all term for them. You know, right? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, typically, like a lot of devices now come with the software built in. You know, Windows is making gradual steps towards being more accessible to blind users. So things like the Windows magnifier is better than it used to be. Still not amazing, but it's certainly above what it would have been, like say, in Windows Seven. And they're making big strides now with their narrator, so that's a bit more compatible with more. It's more compatible with more pieces of software, and it's really useful for someone like myself who, you know, if I'm going to be reading large passages of text on the computer, ah, to heck with it. I'm not going to try and read this whole article. I'll just have the computer read it to me, which is pretty, right, pretty handy. Um, especially if like having a visual impairment, reading long. Passages, passages of text can be quite tiring. Totally understandable. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I'm forgetting. Yeah, so like things like iOS, like if you're talking about portable devices, there's tons, like a loads, loads and loads of blind people will use Apple devices because although they're expensive, they really have like top of the line accessibility features built into them, and at least for blind people, and have done for a long, long time. So. You know, things like voiceover on iOS, it's perfectly possible to use your iPhone or your iPad without having the screen even turned on. Huh. And it's those features that occasionally will make a game accessible that maybe wasn't planned to if they've built their game in such a way that the voiceover functionality within iOS can tap into things like the, the menu system and just read out the labels on the menus then the developer might suddenly find themselves with a game that the blind community can play and the blind community will, once they find that out, will probably start buying it because, it's, you know, as a, an underserved community, they'll are really keen to to get good games to play. Right. Hmm. Very cool. Another thing I had knew nothing about. Hmm. Hopefully our listeners are learning something. Learn something today. Yeah. That's what it's all about, man. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, developers should really, if they were more aware of the markets that they're missing out on, that they miss out on by neglecting um, accessibility options in their games, then they'd be kicking themselves. I mean, there's, I can't remember the article that I read, and I'll maybe, um, I'll maybe post it on Twitter at some point because I do have it bookmarked somewhere. But there was a game, I think it was, it was an iOS game where the developer suddenly, um, they realised that they could make their game blind accessible and they did and their game had microtransactions and it. it may well have been like a free to play game or something but they found that the blind users the users that were playing their game using the voiceover features of ios were spending more than the sighted players were huh. because you know they're keen for something to play they're maybe less likely to move on to other games because there's not so many games available to them and if a developer shows them a little love, then they'll respond in kind. Yeah, I mean, disabled gamers like us, we all tend to be really loyal to whatever game or even, like, device or platform allows us to um, ha actually have, like, a, a gaming experience 
uh, that is comparable to the rest of the player base. Like, if we can play the game, we tend to be pretty darn loyal to it. Mm, right, because it's they're so far few, far and few between. You know, when you find one, you're like, mm-hmm. oh shit, yeah, I'm attached to this. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I figure, like, it just makes a bit more sense that if a gaming, if a game development studio produces a product that has maybe not necessarily accessibility features, but accessibility options to allow us to to allow people uh, with challenges that like, similar to what we have allow them to play it without uh, d- detracting from the experience of the able-bodied player right very well put so if that can be if that can be managed and I think it's definitely a possibility if as long as people, know which options to add yeah yeah i mean there's to a certain degree i think the especially within the the blind community there's often sort of discussions on forums where blind gamers are like oh i wish this game was a you know could be made to be blind accessible and in a lot of cases it's maybe just not viable to maybe not possible to do that you know things like minecraft for example or overwatch or a couple of games that does regular threads asking oh can can we play this and yeah well maybe but it'd be hard but you know it's where it's possible yeah please (laughs) yeah absolutely like disabled people want to be people too imagine that (laughs) well yeah i mean it's we don't need to do it you know if if we can't get them to to do it just based just purely on the the altruistic merit of it, you know. We don't need you to do it because it's the it's a good thing or the right thing to do. We want you to do it because we've got money. We want yeah. to buy your game. We, yes, <laughs> I got sacks of money for you. I'm Mr. Monopoly. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, like, as as long as more and more disabled gamers come out of the woodwork, as um, the age of the average gamer goes up, more and more people are going right. to be um, weighing in on this issue with their wallets. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And the more and more disabled people you get in involved in it too, like, you know, the, the cheaper the disabled community becomes, like, uh, like if that makes, if you guys can understand what I'm saying, like, uh, right now getting into accessible gaming is expensive, right? Because it's, it's, it's a small community. But, like, the more and more people get into it, the more, you know, resources are available, the more, like, people want to, you know, have the disabled community a part of their game community, the cheaper things become, and then, then you get more and more gamers. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because if, you know, if there's, if there's more, if there's, if there's a bigger demand for the, the games, for accessible games, for more accessible devices, then hopefully you'll get more competition within those spaces to make cheaper products that you know right push the yes. prices down and let us all get on board yeah absolutely absolutely right you know like it's yeah yeah <laughs> and the whole thing with people getting older as well i mean it's gaming has only been around for like maybe 30 40 years now so there's a whole bunch of people who like even myself i would say i started playing games in like maybe the the mid to late 80s back on the the original nes and i've been playing them pretty solidly since then and by now, my thumbs are absolutely knackered. <laughs> you know, there's like there's certain games that, like I was trying to play a fighting game the other day, um, 
Guild Row, Markers of Wolves on PS4. And it's all quarter circle movements and it's like a typical sort of Street Fighter 2 style thing. But, you know, playing through arcade mode just the once and my thumbs were killing me. It's not... Uh, it just, it's just, it's again, it's getting to a stage now where I have to be very careful over like how long I play games for huh. or what type of games I'm playing because if there's any kind of like excessive L3, R3 sort of pressing on the, the analog sticks on like the DualShock 4, the PS4 controller, then I'm going to be suffering for it for days afterwards just with like stiff, so like aching thumbs. And that's that's something that's maybe only going to get worse as yeah. I get older. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, new uh, new age teens now. Uh, they're texting so much that they have to have like joints in their thumbs replaced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeesh. That's crazy. Is that really a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. That oh my gosh. Teenagers text so much that they're wearing out the joints in their thumbs. And they're not playing video games? I mean, they might be too at the same time, so they're like double wearing out their thumbs. What? <laughs> That's just terrifying. Right? Mm. I, I was doing a lewd uh, motion there. Jerk off <laughs> motion? <laughs> Another thing that they might be doing. Yeah, that really wears down the thumbs, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we nearly got through this podcast without any sort of lewd references. We almost managed. <laughs> well, well, wheels managed to get that in there for you. Sweet. We like to keep it wheel here. Yeah. Well, Beautiful. I mean, on on that, I mean, uh, unless we've been about for like an hour now, I think, right? I mean, yep. As it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Unless you guys want to add anything else to it, I mean, like you got uh, wanted. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um. Oh, I mean, the only thing I could think of is that something I was kind of. I mean, I don't want to go on too long about this, but um, Pax East is kind of like the next sort of thing that I've been looking at. Ooh, I want to go to that so bad. Possibly being able to go to because it seems like there's a lot of people that I know that are trying to go to it. It's in March, and uh, you know, it's just uh, I was just thinking about how it's kind of, I guess it's sort of going into convention season, if you will. Have they already um, released the date and whatnot for that? No, um, but also another thing, uh, kind of something that's a little bit more relatable to what we're talking about, is um, in the. Uh, the Washington D.C. area uh, in Dulles, there is going to be the Ability Expo uh, coming up in December here pretty soon. So that's kind of the next big thing, and that they they have a lot of different things there. I mean, you'll see Able Gamers will definitely be there. Oh yeah, they're like right around the corner. Yeah, they're they're yeah they're in West Virginia, I believe. Um, then there's also going to be they usually have the people for they have the chair manufacturers out. They have a uh, all sorts of different things like the sports events that you know you can get involved in because for a while I was in I was in the power uh, soccer community um, but obviously with the twitch gaming and all that stuff that kind of is kind of overtaken uh, my ability to actually show up at events for that but um right, yeah right. there's a lot of cool stuff there so I feel like you know it might be something that me and Rickles might end up going to and maybe trying to see if we can maybe i don't know i talked to him about it like you know we were thinking about i was thinking about maybe we could interview some people there or something and then that could be part of a segment on uh on the show now that sounds like it'd be pretty cool yeah so Mm -hmm. that was like my last little thing yeah well let's see uh i don't know 
You guys have anything else to add? Um, just before we wrap up, just want to remind people that if you want to know more about Audio Game Jam, go to audiogamejam.org where you'll find links to all of the Audio Game Jams previously and a link to the current Audio Game Jam itself. And you'll find more about the games that are being produced and information about who's working on uh, different projects and things. I'll be retweeting from the Audio Game Jam Twitter account, which is at Make Audio Games. There you go. That's just wanted to get that in there before we wrap up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, of course, yeah. when uh, we get these posted, post a link in the description as well. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. So, and oh, I'll give you a link to the uh, panel as well if you want to do that. Yeah, what, uh, definitely do that. Is what? that something we'll be able to watch? Uh, are they going to be broadcasting that at all? Uh, yeah, the, it will definitely be streamed. It's going to be <laughs> at uh, 12 o'clock p.m. on Saturday, which translates to 3 p.m. Eastern. And it will be on... Oh, I do not exactly have the channel. Because what they do is they create channels for each theater. And since it's a new venue, it's like... I don't have a link for the uh, actual stream, but I will. I'll, I'll hook you guys up before, at some point before we go uh, live. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to find it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I might do a live stream of uh, of watching it. <laughs> on hey, my right channel. on. Well, I know for a fact we'll likely be taking questions from the people in chat, so um, definitely show up. Yeah, of course. It'll be there'll be a bunch of people there for sure. Sweet. Well, I guess thank the audience for uh, tuning in on our second episode of Wheel Life Problems. Um, tune in for more. Have a wheelie good day, guys. <laughs> oh, that was oh that was that was really really bad. That was yep. really terrible. Ah. <laughs> uh. Have a great, right, think, have a great weekend, you guys. I think that's something we need to figure out is how we how we end these episodes so that's more like cohesive. This is the end. <laughs>